Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We have Rob Liefeld in the house. Great Uncle Rob, man. One of the originators of, of Image Comics 30 years back, Jimmy. Uh, we're going to take a look at Youngblood number six, the issue that Rob made after about a year's uh, hiatus. A lot of questions about that. But first, I want to invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. And what that does, that helps mitigate the kayfabe effect. Uh, the kayfabe effect is what happens when we put a video out at 9 a.m. And uh, by midday, early afternoon, early evening, the comics that we talk about are either prohibitively expensive, if you can find them on eBay or Amazon, or they're just, the internet is dry with that material. I also want to uh, thank everybody who watches the videos to the complete uh, ending because that gooses that YouTube algorithm, pushes our content out to YouTube loving, uh, to comic book loving YouTube uh, viewers who haven't quite seen our stuff yet and uh, helps grow our numbers. Uh, we hit a little over 60,000 subscribers uh, last wow. week. Thank you for that. But we're only 10% of the way to the 600,000 subscribers that, that we've been aiming for from the very beginning. Uncle Rob, Rob Servations, drop a couple of plugs before we get into this. Uh, yeah, wow, I'm not going to follow that. That's amazing. <laughs> I, like, I just learned so much from your, you know, laying it down about your your kayfabe. I mean, uh, look, I, I, I do a podcast it's called Rob Servations. Uh, I think it's available on most all platforms i do it out of some weird you know psychotic uh uh it, it started with a psychotic break and now it's my therapy so <laughs> join me in my therapy twice a week uh as as i as i break down comic books and stuff that i've loved my whole life and and just like with what you guys are doing it's fun uh i think it's good that we're out there the three of us and i'm so excited to be with you guys today it's exciting when is that profit remaster coming out uh, uh, should be early, you know, early August with all this paper, uh, production delays that, I mean, like literally I'll tell you how ridiculous the paper and production shortages are. Deadpool Bad Blood was a graphic novel. It came out five years ago. It was a hardcover. Uh, it's been, it's been split up into four individual issues per Marvel's request to further capitalize on it. But also there's a lot of people who didn't buy it at $25 price point. But most, I mean, it's all done. It, it was done five years ago. I added two pages per issue. The first issue came out the first week of April. The second issue got bumped till I believe uh, mid June. The third issue is late July. And I'm like, what's going on here? These, this job is done, but it's, it's them, you know, having to a lot for paper and production, but image, um, I think, you know, because we got ahead of this, the uh, profit remaster that the both of you were awesome in joining and helping create. It looks amazing. I mean, I, I, Ed, I just got your page in color. I will send it to you. Um, uh, uh, you're going to dig it. I think, I hope it's, you know, uh, the, the, the book is really fun. Uh, it goes to the printer, I think late June. That's, that's what I'm trying to think of on the printing schedule. Uh, Cause you know, people who listen to your show, they like, the, they like the nitty gritty, the details. So yeah, the book goes out uh, probably in the twenties in June. So I'm thinking it'll come out hopefully middle of July, if not late July. I can't, I don't think it's early August, but again, with the printing and the paper shortage, uh, I mean, this is the kind of, this is the world we live in now. I mean, it's, it's, you keep thinking you're going to turn a corner, but like I just, the reason I brought up Deadpool Bad Blood, I mean, the damn book is done. All four issues have been done, but like, you're like, wait, why are they, it's a bi-monthly book now? Like, it's just, it's incredible, but profit, the remaster, it looks amazing. Everybody stepped up their game. I'm really excited. I think people slept on it. 
uh, hope, hopefully they don't, they don't sleep on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get behind that in a much bigger way than I did the uh, just the, the the what do you call it the basic reprint we just did. In the meantime, I know you want me to tell you what I'm working on. I got so much stuff. Uh, honestly, I have just been drawing a bunch of extreme stories, and I don't know if they're going to connect. Uh, I just keep I, I'm I'm about 70 pages of uh, you know profit and blood strike and some brigade and the idea is maybe this is a saga that i put out or maybe it's a one shot i don't know i'm a little scatterbrained when it comes to it i just know what's important is that i think of sequences i draw the sequences i'll knit them together later and this leads perfectly into young blood six because that's how i do all my work that's how everything gets done you know what man you kind of just foreshadowed uh, some stuff in this issue but if the people missed it can you hold up your left hand real quick to the camera Boom, wait, wait, wait. The, that hand, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, there it is. Yes. Swear? Am I going to swear? <laughs> yeah, you're in there. You're in there. Okay. That foreshadows some stuff we're going to be getting into okay. uh, when, when we talk this issue. Uh, this is the first issue uh, that, that I scooped up because 12 years old, I didn't actually even know that comic shops existed. I was sick from school when I went to the pharmacy and grabbed my first issue of Wizard issue 36, 37 with the Rob Liefeld interview talking about coming back from hiatus. And I was starved of comics from all the uh, the Image co-founders. Like, I just assumed Todd McFarlane uh, retired. You know, I, like, oh. I, was, I was dry on that stuff. It was the jocks in middle school who hipped me to like what Image Comics even was. And they weren't even cracking them open because they were saving that stuff for... for to pay for their college education. So this was the first issue that I scooped up and it was revolutionary comics in terms of the aesthetics, but also uh, just the, the packaging of it. The paper, the color is uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, the interview from Wizard Magazine talked about you coming back from that hiatus. And I feel like the art the art uh, drastically changed from the stuff that we would see in, in you know, even the early issues of Youngblood to, to where you've evolved right here. So in that year or however long uh, you took yeah. time away, uh, were you keeping sketchbooks? Like, like uh, what, what was happening drawing wise back there? You know, uh, I, I, if you take Youngblood number four, I feel like Youngblood number four was the uh, kind of the bridge to get to Youngblood number six. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and Youngblood number five is for, for, for viewers was kind of a half, partial issue that we stitched into brigade to to finish it and get it out and uh because the story kept extending and i needed to wrap it up and we could do whatever we wanted so that's what we did like Shops, i chopped the chap like, yeah I, I can yeah chap did a great job and it was kind of a first uh it was just so fun given all these young young guys their their break and again sometimes i get i can wax nostalgic on a dime because those events are are like yesterday to me but so and then right before this is team youngbud number nine and so you can see me i mean i i youngbud number four was previously my favorite job i'd ever done because everything was coming together in the way that i wanted my work to come together and uh and look the big deal youngbud number three number four i found an anchor okay and and so it, it's so funny dude I'll, I'll be honest i'll i know he he watches the show uh robert kirkman I was John with him yesterday because look, man, Ed, you are one of the few guys that still uses like 
a croquil and brush. You mix it up. Is that correct? You, yeah. you're a scrapey inker. Okay. That's why I call a scrapey inker. Jim, are you, um, on, on a, on a digital, are you brush? What, what, I can't quite figure out. All I, I do all of it, Rob. I do right. uh croquil pins. I, I did a lot of markers on the recent Hulk grand design, but I do everything. Okay. So, so like we are among the last remaining few people, uh, who are doing any, any manner of scrapey inking. Um, a lot of these guys have taken to their, as we know, and it's not a condemnation, it's just a recognition. It's being done digitally. It's being done with digital tools, brushes, you know, tips. And I saw uh, an anthology the other day and I was like flipping through it. And I'm like, everything in here is soft. There's soft lines. And I've talked about this on my show. Um, and the reason I'm, 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 I'm bringing this up in regards to, uh, you know, the, the soft lines and the hard lines when I was, you know, uh, when I was, um, in, in art school, like taking classes at the college and doing life drawing and doing, and, and taking basic courses just to, to fill my time before I got hired, you know, they would talk about the feminine line, the masculine line. And literally I'm like, is this even in, in today's world? Can you say those two things? Can you say that a line has a gender without getting in trouble. And like, so I Googled this to see if this, these definitions are still a thing and you know, they are, but so, so the Neil Adams studio, really continuity studios and Neil in general pioneered this crow quill and brush combo with Dick Giordano, Joe Rubenstein, Terry Austin, Bob McLeod, um, Klaus Jansen, all coming out of continuity uh, and, and learning from Neil. And, and, and that's where we got these sharp lines that those, those anchors right there, just if all we had was Klaus, Dick Giordano, uh, Terry Austin, uh, uh, Joe Rubenstein, you would get like what you got out of, you would get Scott Williams. Scott Williams was heavily so, especially his early Punisher stuff with Wilson, Eric Larson, really Klaus Jansen. And, uh, and, and, and then kind of bringing that slick Terry Austin stuff. Well, he was the only guy to do it. And so the reason I'm giving you all this, because to, to really lead up to this, I didn't have to ink myself anymore. I, I now was, was only inking faces on, on Youngblood because I found Danny Mickey, which then led to John Sabal. But, but um, the only other guy who was doing lines anywhere remotely like Scott Williams was Art Tiber. And I grew up with Art in Orange County here. We'd see each other all the time. I went and visited at his house. He was heavily a brush guy. He, he did his like first couple of years in comics, all he inked was was with brush and he was really, you know, precise with a brush. And he only picked up Quill because he saw what was going on with kind of this Scott Williams approach. And uh, so like Scott informed everybody in this, you know, very formal manner. He called all of us to tell us that he was, you know, pledging fealty to Jim Lee. And, and literally that's how it was said to us. He was like, hey guys, I've decided to attach myself to Jim and ink only Jim. So I'm not going to be really inking any of you anymore. And Todd and I were like, okay, like you're already, you're still not, you're not inking us right now. So, so we're just going to continue our course, but it was kind of like, there's no hope that we're going to get, because look, look, man, if you were to talk to Todd and Eric Larson and all of us during that time, it's like, wh who can ink us? Who can possibly ink us? The lines that we're trying to replicate, which, the stuff that we favored, all the Art Adams stuff, which was inked by Terry Austin, you know, we were trying to, Terry was slowly like kind of moving out of the picture. And then there's this, there's only one Scott Williams. I mean, 
when Todd had us all ink an issue of Spider-Man to jam, to help him out, I mean, it's me, it's Jim Lee, it's Wills and Scott, because there's, there's nobody who can pull off those lines that he wants, which I, which is a more precise precision, you know, Crowquill line. So Youngblood, you know, but, but by the time Youngblood four happens and then team Youngblood nine and Youngblood six, I can just concentrate on the penciling. And I don't have to, I don't have to do the penciling and the inking and Ed and Jim as guys who do it both yourself, you know, the time, you know, you know, the time consumption that, that inking your own work, you know, brings. And, and so having done it for years, uh, I felt it was great to take a break and just focus on the penciling. So that is, that is why I believe the work was more realized. It, it, I didn't, I could put things down that I couldn't pull off myself. All those long fades. I'm looking at all these long strokes, blends of lines. I couldn't do that. Danny Mickey was a revelation, man. The guy worked at a comic store. He was doing backgrounds for art to bear. I looked at the samples. I'm like, come work for me. Come work for me. Oh my gosh. And he was like, I, I made him my, my full-time inker immediately. And so when you see now he was not inking hair or faces at this time, I didn't feel like he had the nuance that I was looking for, but that is why suddenly I think my work punched up was because I didn't have to shoulder all the burden. And I had a really slick, very fast learning, accomplished young inker that I could compliment, you know, myself with. That's the Danny Meeky portion of the, of the conversation there, man. We take a look at all of this color yeah. work right here. Can we oh. talk, can we talk Kiko Taganashi? Kiko! Kiko! <laughs> yes, dude! I hijacked him. I hijacked him. Go ahead. Yes, okay, cool. Like, uh, here's the legend, right? Like, Steve Olive, Ollie Optics, computer colorist, uh, pioneer of the game. Whatever town he's from, maybe you know the name, but... Yeah, it's a weird name. I forget. Yeah, but it's a super small town with, like, hundreds yes. of people who live there. Right. And overnight, he didn't sign uh, non-compete clauses to uh, the people working in his in his Oleoptics uh, studio, right. before he knew it, there were like three or four color houses <laughs> that that came from the Steve Olaf camp. Yep. And uh, word on the street is Kiko Taganashi is one of those cats. No, Ki so Kiko. <laughs> oh, you guys are gonna get one. I, I I haven't done this in a while, but I can only do it if I do it the way it was done. Let's hear it. And uh, and, and the bottom line is Todd had been using only optics to do spawn. And it was becoming painfully obvious that they were obviously the far and away the best color house that anything else that we were, you know, experiencing with anyone just wasn't of their, you know, caliber. And Steve came down and visited with us, but Todd would always say, oh, the, the, the best pages are, are Kiko. Kiko does the best. He's the best. And I'm like, huh, well, I should pay attention to, to that. And uh, so I talked to Steve and then I, met with Kiko and I just said, you know, screw it. I said, Hey dude, what, what if I paid you an exorbitant amount of money to come work for me? Like I know Southern California is not your bag. You're more of a Northern California guy, but would you consider this? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Kiko was an absolute wizard among wizards. Steve being a chief among them. I mean, chief uh, Steve pioneered the entire look the operation steve was one of the best colorists when he was doing hand colored guides back in the late 70s early 80s when i mean it's so funny to read that in in the in in the recaps that kirby didn't really like what steve was doing 
on him on Captain Victory, like one and two, which is why he got rid of him. And you're like, wait, Jack, this is one thing I would have advised you. Like, let this take its time. Let this build. Steve is is literally like a legend among just color artists. And uh, and so, look, I, I talked to, to Steve and I know he was a little. I, I wouldn't even say if he was miffed. I don't think Steve gets mad because, again, I think he saw what was going on and I don't think he had the strength to hold it together. It's kind of the way I looked at my guys. Once they get a itch and they, and, and they're going to leave, good luck. What, what, are, what are you doing? You know, um, you're, you're really not going to stop. You need to let them go do their own thing. But, but Kiko came in and uh, was very, very instrumental in, in like really adding that secret spice to the extreme color department. I, 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 I think my first podcast this year was like, the things that that image comics was really responsible for and between myself and then jim lee we bankrolled like color houses from scratch you know my cousin my, my wife's cousin was a smart guy carnegie mellon uh, uh graduate and and just said i can i can set up a whole network for you i can but no one had coloring you know expertise none of them were really artists so i was trying to invest in better guide people but you know here's the deal that's kiko didn't do color guides he he literally would get a page scan it in and color it uh, he it would come out like that i know today people do that all the time this was unheard of back then like you're like wait what so yeah that's part two of why the work looked better so youngblood four is also colored by all the optics that's when i changed youngblood one two three is with digital chameleon Youngblood four is when I went with all the optics. And then by Youngblood six, I have, you know, again, cause I'm trying to build this whole new approach. Cause the thing that people don't talk about the most is really how ridiculously competitive this period of time was 1993, 1994. Um, like I said, man, everybody was bringing their a game. Everybody was stepping up to the bat. So you better do the same or you were going to get forgotten. Rob, were you buying computers for like a coloring department at that time? Was oh, that yeah. part of like the Extreme Studios? I think that's something that a lot of people that are into comics may not realize because now we just all have our own computers. Yes. But whenever the computer revolutionized color, it was like, I don't know, $5,000 for a Mac or something. Yes. And you'd have those departments that would have several computers, prohibitively expensive for a freelancer. And often they would run like 24 hours a day. You'd have shifts because it was like, this is the That's investment. Correct. So bring in the crews and, and work around the clock with these things. That the, the the night crew was badass. Uh, one guy, uh, he has long since passed. His name's Drew Posada. He was kind of, I would put him on the same rung as Kiko in terms of mastering. Like he wasn't as good of a, uh, just, I, I don't think anybody. So I put Kiko on his own platform in terms of palette, rendering and technique. But in terms of technique and special effects, Drew Posada was fantastic. He preferred the night shift. He preferred to work all night. I paid more for the night shift, but yeah, we had three shifts. We had the, you know, the day shift, the evening shift, and then the overnight shift. And yeah, we, we, I bought seven Macs, but Kiko would only work on an IBM. So we bought him his own dedicated IBM. Uh, he didn't like the system of Mac. He didn't like, everyone else was like, but Mac gives you special effects. I mean, literally, but Kiko's like, no, I'm my own special effect. I don't, I don't need, I don't need water filters and all that other crap. I can do it. And as again, I mean, I am still, I believe as I flip through this, that, you know, uh, you know, with, with my own, with my own version of this, you know, 
I'm just blown away. Kiko's techniques were years. Like I see guys now who are not even able to pull this off. And he knew when to go in and really render the shit out of something and then when to pull back, you know? Um, we're looking at and, that. We're looking at that. Uh, that sky, that atmosphere, and that splash page on issue six. Uh, is is that's that that's all Kiko? There is. He is one hundred percent. That is one hundred percent his color palette, his rendering. Again, he did no guides whatsoever. He just scanned it in and and booted up. And you're like, oh my god, what are you doing? I mean, like, I would. I don't know how many hours I lost pulling up a chair and watching him. You know, just go, oh, my gosh. And the other thing is because, you know, I won't mention any names, but, man, so many guys in the studio wanted to be like, well, we'll keep going to color my work, too. <laughs> no, he won't. Like, no, he will not color your work. He will color my work. He is – I am running the show. I am paying the salary, you know. So. See, see Deathmate Red. I was going to bring that up, man, because, I, yeah. because it seemed that uh, Kiko – only colored Rob Liefeld pages in, in, the, in that Come on, book. man. Ed, Jim, <laughs> I, it's my investment. I, I, like, I'm trying to stand out, to compete, right? I mean, it's a, uh, and and when you, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest, it was a six-figure deal in in for a colorist. Like, I committed, it was a salary. He got paid that. It wasn't by the piece. It was like, it was a sweet deal. Um, again, I, the one thing I can go to my grave knowing is that I treated, um, I paid artists at a time before people were paying up front. Look, you guys, royalties is great. Royalties is what I built kind of my empire on. But uh, upfront money to guys who are just starting out, it means a lot. And I know that in the past, I've encountered guys who are like, hey, man, that that royalty wasn't enough. I'm like, the $60,000 I paid you to draw a comic, it's like for your second job, get the fuck out of here, okay? Like that is just insane. Yes, I'm cursing, it's early. The thing is, and I'm normally really good about this, but this isn't my show. Um, the thing is, uh, the thing is like, we, we I pride myself on being generous. And, and again, a guy like a Danny Mickey. So he can tell you, I, I think I started him off at 250 a page as an anchor, and he's doing three a day, minimum, every day. And this this guy is, I mean, making all sorts of money. Uh, Jeff Matsuda, I want to say it was either $800 or $600 a page. And I didn't know he could do three pages a day. And that's why he did like Youngblood Strike File and then the Troll Special. And the, we were creating jobs for him because he was so fast. And he moved out of the extreme house that I bought to house people in, which was a really nice house in Orange County. And he moved out, bought a car and got his own place within like 45 days. I'm like, Am I paying you that well? He's like, you are. I'm like, wow. Like, again, the Marvel method, again, the royalties, you understand, Jim and I would call each other. Summer 91, you know, there's there was no reason for it, and we all knew it. Marvel sat on those royalties for a month. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 months. I did not get paid for X-Force number one for 11 months. They would make you wait 12 months and they'd give you some rigmarole for, I mean, they could have paid you in 30 days, right? But they're like, no, no, no. So they were making interest and we, we would all sit around going, can you imagine the interest they're making on just between the summer of X-Force number one and X-Men number one? And, but Jim would be like, you your check yet? Because he knew I'd get mine a couple months before he got his because he was a couple months later. So, but, you know, waiting us out and, and, and that's the reason the image avalanche happened. So Jim and I get paid. Then, again, as I've explained on my show, we I did Youngblood and launched 
when I did with image, cause I just, I literally couldn't take just doing everything for Marvel anymore. I wasn't mad at them, but I just wanted to go out on my own. I knew it was my time to stretch. And if I, I based my future success on 10% of my Marvel sales, I thought Youngwood was going to sell a hundred thousand units. Okay. So selling a million and then Supreme selling a million and Brigade selling a million and all these ridiculous numbers and those checks getting cut to me within 30 days, then you're like, oh my gosh. And I think the rival companies didn't expect for us to be in a position because obviously that's happening to Todd as well. That's happening to Jim to have the financial means to compete with them in the way that we did, which was extremely important. Anytime you're going to suddenly emerge as a rival, it's how well financed because your competitor is probably going to try and outspend you or, you know, going to try and, and, and get, you know, lean you out as fast as possible. But I mean, guys, we were swole. So I <laughs> was like, again, I was proud. Danny Mickey, welcome. You're making $15 a page doing backgrounds. Here's $250 a page. I think it got as high as 300 and, and, and Danny could confirm that, but that is like, that's sick. I feel like I, I did, I did good for these guys. And, and, and I, I'm proud of that. Like, and, and, and I haven't said it on my show, but there was two guys who did come to me, two partners. What the F are you doing? Why are you paying these guys so well? And I, I, I was very entertained by that. That was like funny because I'm like, why does it threaten you so much? What, cause, cause what, why it threatens you is because you're feeling the pressure to do the same and you don't want to. So very, look at all the stories you're getting, Ed and Jim. Look one, at this. one more piece before we even crack crack yeah. the book open, man. Uh, this Youngblood logo was created in at least 1986 because it was in the right. Megaton uh, yeah. pro promo pieces. Is that yes. Kurt Hathaway? Who who who? That is Todd Klein, the legendary Todd Klein. Beautiful. I, you know, got with the best. He was. Uh, I, I mean, he's done a lot of logos. Yeah, it's a, it, uh, for its time, it was even better. It stands up. It's a great logo. It really popped, but yeah, I, I hired a, a a pro, you know, and uh, and so no, great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. You're shocked that I'm done. I answered that so fast. It's interesting the salary thing for Kiko. We came across. We've been reading like Will Eisner interviews and stuff, and he was talking about the Eisner Igor shop, you know, back in the '40s, and he yeah. would pay those guys salaries, and yeah. uh, as opposed to like a page rate or something. Um, you don't hear it very often in comics, as, as you mentioned, nope. you know, it's, it's, it's an unusual practice, but, uh, well, yeah, kind of for, for writers, a select group of writers at Marvel and DC got guaranteed, you know, money for years on end. And, and honestly, th those turned out to be bad deals, like for the company, because, you know, that, that, ha, you know, like I said, once I retire, the good stuff's coming out. <laughs> I have a whole group of really sharp knives that will cut as deep to the bone as ever. I'm just not ready to unleash those yet because boy, boy, were there some bonehead decisions made along the way. And guys, the bottom line is there were guys that the company were desperate to keep propping up at all costs to justify the investment they had in them. Okay, so anyway, but so that that they I I they were almost salaried employees and i'm talking like basically from like the 2000s to maybe 2015 this practice was really you know heavily engaged by the by, by marvel and dc foolishly i might add cartoonist kayfabe is brought to you by the comics that ed piscor and i make the best way to support the channel is to pick up some of our comics so right now available in comic shops everywhere is ed piscor's 
Red Room, the antisocial network, collects season one of Red Room, four issues plus a lot of great bonus material. Trigger warnings, the second season of Red Room is in stores everywhere now. The first two issues, possibly three by the time you see this video, are out there wherever comics are sold, banned in 23 countries and 11 comic shops, but they will track these down for you if you ask them if they don't already have them hidden behind the, can behind the counter in a brown paper bag. Also available from Ed Piscor is WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker, A History of Computer Hacking, X-Men Grand Design, three oversized treasury size editions of the X-Men story, kind of a biography of one of Marvel's best-selling characters, the X-Men, and what started the entire Grand Design tradition, and Hip Hop Family Tree, a non-fiction historical account of hip hop. Available in four oversized volumes and two beautiful boxed sets. My latest comics available in comic shops everywhere. Hulk Grand Design Monster with some beautiful variant covers. Peach Momoko, Ed Piscor, Marcos Martin. And now Hulk Grand Design Madness. Again with some beautiful variant covers by Jeff Darrow, Ed McGinnis, and of course my classic version. Telling 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, written, drawn, colored, lettered by me. Also available, The Plain Janes with Cecil Castellucci. The first young adult graphic novel and available from Image Comics, Street Angel, and several oversized hardcover collections, again like the treasury size. These are available wherever you buy comics and books. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. So Rob, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this issue. Uh, the first thing that, that strikes me on this splash page that we've been staring at for a hot minute, it's not necessarily just the Akira bike, but it looks like Cable sitting on top of that, man. So, so what, yeah. was, what was the mindset uh, when you were putting this together? Uh, well, it was absolutely an Akira bike, and uh, and that's absolutely my kind of uh, oh, oh, <laughs> very blatant look. Like, look, cables in my book too. Um, <laughs> here's the deal: uh, they had just done their uh, New Blood, I think, it was an annual event they had, and and um, set, it, literally New Blood, Fresh Blood, Bloodlines, Bloodlines, the DC, the DC did Bloodlines, and then. Uh, Marvel had a new blood character in all their annuals. And it was like, again, new characters. Cause they felt like new characters was, was what it was all about. So I, I figured, Oh, I, you know, two can play at that game. And so I figured I would uh, jump in with, with Colonel Bravo and kind of just make a go of, at it. And, and of course I knew my audience, you know, the thing about today's audience is, and really here, here's what Colonel Bravo is. Because you, you really got to wrap this up. What Youngblood fans existed before 1992? None. What Spawn fans? None. What Wildcat fans? None. Cyberforce, Savage Dragon, right? Image was built on our fan bases. These people liked Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. And, and we were the investment they were making. And so I'm in, by doing this, also reminding people like, you know, not only where I came from, where they came from, and I'm doing it very flippantly, but again, it was meant to shock and awe you. He's not on the cover. He's, you know, if you pick that up the way you did and you were missing me over at Marvel, well, boom, you know, you're like, wait, what's he doing? And there's a little bit of forbidden fruit there, right? There's a little bit of, but my very first podcast on Raw Observations, I've approached this and let's pivot also because there's, there's so much wrapped up in this, the hypocrisy. Um, Marvel, one of my first comics that I started like consuming from the spinner rack, not the barbershop, was Avengers 101, where the 
entire Avengers lineup is battling the Squadron Supreme, which is now the furthest into the Justice League I've ever seen them go. Uh, they have, you know, they've, they've, they've had some of these characters like Golden Archer uh, uh, appear against Iron Man or in some other solo books, or maybe I missed the Defenders issue he was in, but it's like Tom Thumb is the Atom, Captain Hawk is Hawkman, um, the Amphibian is Aquaman. They've gone deeper into the, you know, uh, Doctor Spectrum is is Green Lantern and, and Hyperion is Superman, like treasure chest. And I loved it. I loved it. I did not judge them harshly. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is red. These are clearly what I call echoes. These are echoes of, of DC's biggest characters. Well, later, uh, you know, during the 90s, when message boards were first created, uh, I got to be honest, I... I interacted with Kurt Busiek for a while and wanted to work with him. And then he kind of, uh, in my, in my opinion, became somewhat of a pompous ass and he would take to message boards and try and lecture me on the fact that all of these, I mean, Dave Cockrum remade the Legion of superheroes in the X-Men and called them the Imperial guard. I mean, and they are like, they have again, identical echoes. Oh, that's colossal boy. That's star boy. That's lightning lad. There, there was no blurring. It was dead on. This is the stuff that I grew up with that I was inspired by. And Kurt Music is trying to tell me, no, 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 no. That only exists because of the camaraderie that existed between the Marvel bullpen and the DC bullpen. And they would go out to dinner and lunch and, and drink and talk and swap stories. And I'm like, yeah, hey, let me tell you something, Kurt Music, to a kid who's seven, I just saw the Justice League. I missed the part where the, you know, the anecdotes that Marv Wolfman and Roy Thomas, you know, uh, were hanging out at the bar discussing how they could, well, is that okay with you guys if we do it? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, we're going to do one too. Who the, who cares? They existed. They were able to move around in those worlds. But see, then we started doing it and it upset everybody. Supreme. I had had my Superman kind of moniker for forever and now i could roll it out supreme i'm not making any bones about it and i tell people this is what if Su superman was an asshole that was the entire concept behind supreme but it's like whoa harumph harumph we upset a lot of people you know i look at you guys you guys look very young to me because i'm way older than you but we looked even younger to that generation because we completely upended the control they had on the business that that is the biggest deal so so this is me with colonel bravo and that akira bike just jamming it up having a good time and look i see the two you guys doing the same thing like you you know when you're i'm gonna you know take from this source and take from this source and the guys who are unafraid they wear this they wear it on their sleeve and i wear it on my sleeve you know i remember watching a documentary and they juxtaposed the 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 world war ii you know film footage over the death star trench battle in 77 and George Lucas is like yeah I took it from here and you're like that's rad I love the when 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 artists are bold enough to to homage unabashedly and it's just funny because now we live in a you know I was hired to do an homage of myself I get asked to do them all the time this one I accepted from Marvel on on an upcoming issue of the new mutants but you see in retail and all the variants, all anybody wants to do is redraw like five covers, like Hulk 181, Spider-Man 300, New Mutants 98. I mean, it's like, 
it's like the the homage culture is like almost propping up the business but there was a window there where it was scornful it was scornful but again like you can't do this only us in the old boy network can get away with that that's the message that was being sent to me and this is like i said stuff that was going on in in public message boards at the dawn of that and i'm like wait kurt Busick, why is he trying to like shame me it was coming he was coming at me with shame and i'm like you're doing Astro City. Like you're doing your own version of this. Like I said, dude, this, this business is so, and always has been extremely hypocritical in this regard. And it's like, no, no, no. If one guy does it and that's okay, then everyone gets to do it and that's okay. So I will step off the soapbox <laughs> and take a breath. Here's a simple, just drawing question, man. We're seeing this Akira bike in many different camera angles. Uh, yeah. Did you have a little model or did you yeah. did you have Robert Napton or somebody? Uh do this thing one robert napton is a writer uh <laughs> richard hori i meant uh, no 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 at this point richard was too busy drawing uh every single background you're gonna see here is is me for better or for worse and and uh you know look again this the, is the, tough the, man the, the doing the view well th these are like this is when you pick angles and you go can i pull that off and uh and can i make this you know can I make this work? And look, it, it, it's getting outside your zone, right? And again, that's what—that's why you take time off to kind of freshen up and have a different approach. But I, I appreciate that. I, I take that as a high compliment. So I appreciate that. It does feel like, uh, you know, going through this issue this week, there is that refocus. It's almost like you figured out these are the characters moving forward. This is the revised iteration of Youngblood, you know, after your break. It feels like it's I mean, that's the best way I can think to describe it. You know, like you've run through that first oh. series and now it's like, okay, here's the, the next iteration of this team. Well, even Bravo, you know, suddenly we're, you know, with that picture of, you know, Shaft in his, in his pocket and, and we're revealing that that's his dad and there's a connection there. And, and, and yes, the obvious, the obvious, like I said, Ed, you're the perfect example, given that you said this is your first issue that you bought you into a comic store, you were 12 this was meant to shock and awe people like you and say, wait, what? I, this looks like cable. And again, that was my squadron Supreme, you know, Avengers 141 moment. You know, it was meant to like you, you shock you and then get, get you to pay attention and to go along for the ride. But in terms of characters, Jim, yeah, the biggest complaint, I, I was too heavy on the action in the original miniseries. I couldn't lay off all the fun stuff. And I took, uh, I did not, in any way, shape or form, spend enough time with the characters. And I knew that now I had to kind of lean more into the writing and the formation of these characters. And so that's why uh, stuff, I think it's a lot more interesting, but there's a, as we go through, I'll also tell you, you know, uh, I, I was able to suddenly start bringing in a lot of my own life experience. How about this right here, man? You, you, you took you took Dutch for the for the A list team off of uh, off of Team Youngblood. That, that's yeah. an interesting development. Uh, great design. I thought Chap. Hey man, if I Chap's gonna come up with a character that is one hundred percent Chap Yap. I had nothing to do with his design, his name, and I just thought you know we'd start blending the two. So yeah, Dutch is walking into Youngblood, but he's still in Team Youngblood. So again, I'm trying to get you to have interest in both books. That's why I kind of came back in Team Youngblood. Um, to to uh, Team Youngblood number nine to kind of start sowing the seeds to, to pull you back to maybe invest in both books. I mean, I was trying to think as, as a publisher as well, you know, what would it what would be good for 
both books since I'm trying to, the cast is so enormous. I'm trying to carry two titles. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I just look at these, I was just having an absolute blast. And I talk about it on my podcast all the time about how I was so into manga and Eastern influences. And you can see it here in, in, in Vogue's armor. Um, these giant, you know, calm links, that's chap. Yeah, man. That's, I took what he was doing with Dutch and put it on Bravo. Cause I'm like, this is like, this is cool. Like, this is like out of the box. These like giant rabbit ears work. I, I loved them. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's so sick. And just like revisiting this, uh, in, in sci-fi, uh, sort of technology, like in the nineties and before, like we imagine things being more like bigger and clunkier with more That's wires right. and stuff and like the way the world has gone it's it's moore's law where it's like you could get more transistors and, and things on like a smaller right this platform. this is what this is what he'd really be <laughs> right 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 like like in the future but looks so cool super 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 sick man and this and, and look i'm gonna so, so so i'm gonna tell you again when, when you get into the coloring here i can tell you i gave kiko one note it also goes with what, with what you're saying about tech um look probably the biggest influence on all of us collectively at least the image guys uh at the, from you know mid 80s through this period is james cameron and so i'd be like hey man like this like james cameron hey and and what you're talking about technology like aliens 1986 the marines and all those guns and all that outward tech and 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 you're like wait this is rad and like you said you know then on the other spectrum star trek is trying to sell it to you like no it's going to be sleek and you're going to hold it in your hand and james cameron's like no you're going to strap it on your waist and basically be carrying a robot in front of you like down the hall with multiple i mean it it's that's exactly like that's the kind of aesthetic we were all going for but definitely in terms of coloring and lighting it was always like hey man do it like james cameron the blue lighting the blue lighting white light i mean so it's just fun to go back and, and know what we were thinking. It's beautiful because uh, just an average colorist could have just kept it all gray back there, man. But we get oh, yeah. a lot of good variety. and it, It's funny because it's a thing we complain about now. So often you see these comics and they look brown, they look gray. Yes. And it's like, find a way to put color in those backgrounds, in that oh. tech, in that shiny. Look at this sprite. <laughs> I saw that kid on uh, that Robin Leach show. So, so this is the funny thing. Like, like that's a headshot. I never had a headshot before. But, but, but part of what you're going to, as you get into this, like comic, like, you know, one day I am because of the success of like young, but between young, but one and two, my phone blew up and Hollywood came calling. And the next thing I'm doing is I'm having lunches at all those, you know, important restaurants up in LA with all these different licensing and producer people. And they're all telling me about what they can do with me and what they can how much they can make and how, you know, a bunch of fast talkers. And I had to really discern who, who did I trust? Who did I want to go with? But the next thing I know is one guy, the one guy I went with, he's like, look, I'm going to have a photographer coming down to your place tomorrow. They're going to take a bunch of shots of you. And I'm like, huh, this isn't part of the plan. But again, by going into business with this manager, uh, he's like, no, this is what we need. And so that like, that's just funny looking at that. I know the room I was sitting in, because again, the, and the photographer was really sweet. It was this really great lady, and she came down and made me feel really comfortable because I hated having my picture taken. But again, that's that. This is part of now the journey that I can turn back into. Young blood is that suddenly I have an agent. I'm represented by the biggest biggest agency. I've been on a, a tonight, you know, on a talk show, multiple 
multiple talk shows at this period. So yeah, you get here and I made it an obvious, you know, uh, uh, David Letterman guy, but now bad rock is respect is reflecting the Rob Liefeld experience. I even, those are my clothes. I was going to say, um, I could picture you wearing that, that outfit. Cause you know, Nirvana, yes. Nirvana was around then, you know, the, yes. the flannel was a deal. No doubt. The flannel was everywhere. The flannel was our armor. <laughs> Everyone was, I mean, extreme studios. I'm sure there was, a day or two in the year that somebody didn't wear one, but we all had them on. So yeah, this is now I, I am using my own experiences now and putting them in the book and bad rock is a Rob Liefeld surrogate. And it's so much fun to, that, that, I mean, these are, these were really fun pages to, 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 you know, to generate, to create. You were using uh, Dave Letterman's of uh, future uh, scenarios, man, in, in this comic also, because, uh, Remember, like he had that, like, like that intern, like trying to blackmail him right. after he did some stuff. And this lady, yep. she's caught That's in her it. feelings because da because Dave didn't call her back, and and she's she's got mental issues, but because she chose the day Bad Rock is in the studio <laughs> to try to like cap this guy. She was she wasn't waiting for Andy Kaufman or like one of That's these right. like little lily livered guys. She's gonna make a no, real I, statement. Oh, this is so much fun. And again, I I this is also a double sized issue. I believe it's a big larger page count because I wanted to, you know, make sure I got all this stuff in. And so, yeah, and it, again, so now I'm, I'm getting an action sequence <clears throat> and this entire sequence tells you so much about Youngblood that they are celebrities that, you know, they're in the public eye and, and young and, and bad rock is still a capable guy, even though, you know, on the outside, he's a kid. Um, I, I mean, in, in inside, no one knows he's a kid, but, but he, you know, his gestures are more childlike. Um, but he's so big and foreboding. I, I mean, I this this stuff is. I just had the best time. Such great best writing on this one right here. Yeah, it's good uh, storytelling. The, the gun coming out of her hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. This is really. I mean, I can remember this stuff. Like I said, like it was yesterday. And here's the difference. I was drawing all of this at home. I I, I would go in late um, to to the office, but I wanted to make sure to hit my marks. I would draw at home at my home office. Oftentimes, my home office office being my kitchen table nook. But, uh, you know, and then I'd go in, in the afternoon and see how everybody was doing at the studio, hang out. We all, you know, share pages. Now, this guy is my manager. Uh, this guy is exactly, he is dead on uh, my manager at the time named Robert Stein. And he talks like him, acts like him. I was so entertained by him. He was so uh, just reflective of everything that was going on in the business. Really smart guy, very nice guy. But very, I mean, like right now I'm watching on Paramount Plus The Offer, which uh, reflects the time that there was, you know, Hollywood was being upended in, in terms of their, 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 the studios were running out of hits and they're going to make The Godfather. And the guy, Matthew Good, the actor who's portraying Robert Evans, who is a real person. Oh, yeah. He, he's the reason to watch it, period. It is. It, but now, like, I mean, the 90s is kind of what this, remembering the 90s is is for me now what, all these people remembering the seventies was like, and uh, so this is really fun. But again, then we pivot immediately. We've, we've handled this. We now have this extended series. What I never gave you enough of in the mini series is a slice of life. Uh, Bad rocks, the most popular char character featured member of, of the team in their world. And now we got this manager dynamic, which is going to offer a lot of opportunities but now we shift to the White House. Yes, which... man. And this is the same White House 
that we've all drawn, like from from yeah. the twenty dollar bill, and and somebody needs to make a zine because I've done it. I've used this exact yeah. uh, camera it's angle true. with the White House, and you see it a million times. And I want to see everybody's version of it. I you think should. of like Independence Day movie trailer. Yeah. I feel like that's the other place you see this shot in all these yes. movies. It is like like Ed said, the quintessential shot, and then boom. I I I believe this is the first time we're introducing. Um, is it Graves? Yes. yes. Uh, so, so again, I wanted to show how he towered over what an imposing figure he was in regards to a very fit superheroic, you know, figure. And again, the one thing you'll see throughout all of this, I do tend to purposely. Uh, I did not like drawing the head like a more normal size. I would shrink, I, I, whether it's Die Hard or sometimes, obviously, Bad Rock a great deal. But Shaft, I'd give him the... I try and give him the smallest of the little, you know, shrink shrinkage, but I felt like it just made the figure look more dynamic and more pop. And that was kind of the thing that I, I did very purposely, but yeah, no, again, dude, like I'm looking at all this. I mean, this is all, I'm working all these backgrounds out. They're not, you know, it's, this is what's called like, they're not really great backgrounds. They're just, it's the idea that there's a great background there. And so Adam's uh, Yosemite here in the background. That's, that's kind of cool. It's even black and white like an Ansel Adams. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's Kiko, man. I I just left those blank. He put them all in, and um, you know, it's it's uh, now I I would pencil out where I wanted that um, those those the the reflection from from the sun going through the the, the windows there. But I mean, come on, he he's just he's just fantastic. I, I just uh, this is again. I, I had confidence. Youngblood had been so successful. I feel like I didn't have to sell these characters to the public. Now now I could really have fun with them. And then now if what we're doing on this page that you just flipped, cause I, I I'm watching you go through this. I mean, obviously there's some new characters introduced, but it's that up ending that I felt every time they made an Avengers lineup and the Avengers was the most fluid comic book of my youth. Every few issues, a new member was coming and a member was going. And so I really wanted to upend Youngblood already just, you know, a few issues in and uh and 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 show you again i so so there had been eight issues of team youngblood you know in between me leaving because like i said i came back with team youngblood nine that segued into this so you know we we've been examining you know how this entire endeavor works and i just wanted to bring in these new characters and uh and have you know shaft have a terrible reaction to them once again, some more more really good uplighting. Uh, but oh. but Rob, I wanted to ask you, uh, sort of piggybacking off of what you said about the the smaller head proportionality. Yeah. Uh, one of the and in many of our episodes where we cover your work, um, Hera Tetsuo, the the artist of uh, Fist of the North Star, yes. is is somebody that that uh, Jimmy and I mention a lot. He has very elongated legs, small yes. upper body, small heads. Uh, on the record, um, it was was Fist of the North North Star any kind of uh, influence on this kind of choice? It's honestly, I, I would say um, I came to the North Star stuff after Art Adams, and I was um, revisiting again the early Art Adams work the other day, and again I just go, that guy is the quintessential greatest fan favorite style. It, his 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 nineteen eighty to 1988 look is like to me the greatest style that I ever encountered and 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 I kind of cherry-picked 
<clears throat> everything from that, the smaller heads, the longer bodies, I've talked about it, the longer waists. But again, so once I'm in the business about four years, so 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 by that time, you know, like I said, Art Adams has been around six or seven years, and Eric Larson is the one that wa walked me over at WonderCon, like probably year two or year three, and said, grab these, Fist of North Star, you'll love this. It, you know, every 10 pages, he's fighting somebody new. He just keeps walking down the road, and somebody <laughs> fights him, and it's crazy great action, and so yeah, but um, but again, the same dynamic, exactly what you're saying. But I, I, I'd have to, again, give it to uh, Mr. Adams, who Dude. was such an influence. I mean, early Art Adams is like he he really is the that's the autopsy. Through that autopsy, you get all of image. <laughs> Staring at these glasses is something I did for for days. Whenever yeah. I first saw this man, these are kind of vector based uh, oh. drawings. And and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but your guys, they were coloring on like this is pre Photoshop. This is like some software that I think Steve Steve Olaf had commissioned or something, right? So there is a, a system called Cod Barrett. Okay. I don't know what that is. I never did. They would say it to me. My eyes would roll in the back of my head. I just knew that Kiko did not have Photoshop. These are him going over my lines and giving his own, you know, removing the lines, giving that this is his own rendering style this is why he's so exceptional um and and yeah he worked on an ibm that was considered more of a dinosaur because everything else we had we had the most updated max that you could possibly get in 1993 and 1994 because that's what everybody wanted to work on with all the gimmicky stuff so yeah kiko is just tearing it up on his own here without benefit of any of this stuff so when you introduce some new team members, now we yeah. got to see these motherfuckers in action. Yes. Right. Look at that money shot. Dude, they got to jump out of a window, right? And so, in, 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 and obviously, yes. So I'm going to tell you something. I was not <clears throat> a Gambit fan. I never have been. I think he's kind of um, just, I, I, no, I, I can't say anything negative about him. He just doesn't, re I don't ever respond to him. Night Saber was my, could I do a Gambit that I liked? And, um, you know, instead of being Cajun, he's Australian. Um, and he arrives actually in Team Youngwood number nine is where we actually see him come off the plane. And, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to, he is definitely uh, adds another kind of what I call fisticuff guy or another weapon guy. And, and you know, I'm obsessed with weapons. And the one thing I did like about Gambit was his battle staff, but I've always loved like anybody with a battle staff. Like I pledge my loyalty to you upon the unsheathing of the staff. So now I add my own, but also troll. Oh, so much fun drawing diminutive, you know, characters. Um, that helmet is my homage to the helmet briefly worn by the thing in Fantastic Four. Uh, again, I mean, it's it's at this point, you know, you have an audience and, and, and there's a, from New Mutants to X-Force to Youngblood, I'm, you know, I can feel the passion that I'm, you know, mixing up with the audience. They dig my stuff. I need to keep it fresh. I need to keep to the certain tenants that they like for me, which is, I think, a lot of movement and a lot of action. But again, you know, how can I make this different than the stuff I did before? And so by adding Troll and then adding Nightsaber, you know, um, expands the cast. And oh, man, I this is something that Frank Miller did. I think he got it from Gil Kane. You know, I'm sure there are people who had precursors that oh, inset like figure dynamic, and I had never done a lot of that. So, and I've talked about it time and again and again and again. I mean, th there is no bigger influence 
Art Adams was kind of the 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 gloss, but to all of us, I think, to a person, we we, we thought, you know, there was nobody like Frank Miller. He he was the greatest page design storyteller. I do so, yeah, a similar this, one of these in uh, in a Street Angel, one of my first Image Street Angel books. I do oh, a fight scene that kind of follows that, but also um, fun? I had done my extreme submissions. And they featured Night Saber, and I might have ripped off this exact pose. <laughs> I love it! Oh, man! I, I have to I see if I can find those. those and, uh, those if if I find them, we'll post them on the kayfabe feed. Hey, Rob, oh, uh, you know, these super dynamic pages, big characters on each, you know, an anchor image. Uh, yeah. would, would an issue come out, and would you sell the artwork, like, the next month? Or did you have some sort of procedure with that? Did you hold no, on to I, the artwork? No, I hung on. So I hung on to, you know, like, I still have a ton of of this this era art but someone bought this entire issue for me uh 2015 i, I, I to, to quote the godfather they made me an offer i couldn't refuse but i had the whole book no i, I held on uh the, i started getting crazy offers for all this stuff about a decade back and i it was it was um it 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 was fun and i i they were really generous offers and then i knew that they were going to really good people that i liked that maybe i could make sure that i could see those pages whenever i wanted so yeah no i held on to uh a bunch of it um you know uh at this point i wanted to try and you know keep everything together i'm still doing a, a version of that now but like you know what happens ed really the truth of the matter is and and the guy who's done it the the most, the best is Walt Simonson, who still has, I think, almost everything he's ever done. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he and he shares them with them. All, he he reminds us all that he still has them by sharing them regularly. Very disciplined approach uh, by him. Uh, I, you, you hang on to it and you love it, and then one day you just—it's not just the money; it's that you don't have the desire to hoard it any longer. And what's happened is you've gotten a whole bunch of new stuff that you know and so now i'm convinced like well i'm never gonna break this job up that i just did but you know eventually ask me in 20 years if i change my mind so rob this face man like was there a different inker it feels like there's a couple extra hands on this one besides uh just danny Meeky. i can assure you not one person inked a face on these pages uh danny got one crack at faces in youngwood three and i did not like that he I, that that was it that's gonna I, be no an episode one. jimmy we're gonna have to find that face <laughs> we're gonna find that face we're gonna do an episode crack that issue open and I, find, find i can that share face. it with you um yeah i'm like no this did not go the, i mean I, it was it was i gave him big faces and small is over like two or three pages so it's just more than one page but then i was like no i'm done every face here yeah is uh is me again i i mean that's you know what it uh, is that's a that's a big face compared to some of the other ones that we saw yeah. so we get to actually no, see no but but like i i enjoy you asking but yeah i mean like it, it's it's uh like i i do i feel like um a proprietary you know uh aspect of like no like you you can't give all of these so here's the deal these diehard faces i'm inking too yeah. um like I just I like the helmets and everything. I just feel, I feel like you connect with artists through faces. That's I, I really believe that whether I liked an artist or whether I didn't was whether I liked how they drew faces uh, growing up, and 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 I feel like that's where we make the most personal connection. I think it's where so much of, you know, a character's not a character, an artist's style is communicated. So I just was you know 
adamant about inking everything. Aren't back muscles a bitch to draw, man? <laughs> yeah, and, and in here, I'm just, that's just distraction. That's me going, can I distract you with shines enough? to no, And I'm going to tell you, this that page, like, sometimes you see something, and, like, I'm not sure that's how it would look in real life with a photo, but damn, that worked. That shot works. Uh, it it's good perspective, I, for sure. You know, it, it's a nice forced perspective you know, shot that worked out. And, uh, you know, again, it's, but it's a lot of distraction, a lot, a lot of what do you call it? Style over substance right there. It's such a ghostly image right here. Yeah. I like I, the I, lighting I, on the face. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, we cannot underscore how great Kiko is coloring all of this, the, this on, on every you, single panel. You set them up because, because there's, there's, substantial blacks on all of your pages but then you're, you're leaving it open so he's yeah. he's like you guys are in sync no no right I mean, there he, he can make anybody look great and then we get the money shot on the next page that is just uh super fun because again what we've just done is now we've you know shaft sees that these are some pretty capable new 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 additions to the team and and so does the audience so and so does have, bad rock and <laughs> in in a new flannel by the way yeah purple yeah okay so again that's I still have that shirt. Uh, if I, I should have gotten it out of the closet today. My daughter now wears it to school. This specific one I have. That's fun. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, this is my manager and that newsstand. I mean, so so everything with Bad Rock at this point is me. But again, I just love, you know, the, the thing, guys, is you've already mentioned it. Look at all the double pagers. Look at all the big anchor shots. This is because I can, I can afford to do this. This is my book. I can dictate it any way I can. And, and you're like, well, Rob, we understand that. We've been doing it ourselves forever because you guys are so indie, you know, born and bred. But we were coming from a system that, you know, I can make a 28-page, a 32-page. It was on my dime. So, you know, what the heck? So it's the freedom. The, 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 what I get from these pages is just all the freedom that we had. And, and we were able to exercise super fun rob is that something you came to appreciate more as you took those lunch meetings in hollywood and, and realized like man whenever you're drawing your comics you can do whatever you want once you start going into this system that you know a lot of work we love has come out of the hollywood system but that freedom there's there's no freedom there you know like like that always makes yeah, me appreciate the comics more other, and and that's where i am that's an, another thing i was talking to mr robert kirkman about yesterday it's like i even on the podcast, I give too much time to, to pop culture bullshit like movies and streaming because I generally consume those and I'm done with them. But behind me, on my, you know, whatever, the, these omnibuses and the, what do you call it, the, um, those absolute editions, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring through those all the time. You, below me, there's books in all these shelves too. I just, you know, if I was to open them up, you'd see, you know, they're all on the different shelves. I mean, I pour over comics and I, I think I think Frank Miller probably came to the same realization. Like the freedom we have with our pages is something we're never gonna experience in a in, it's you and your page, you know, it's me and my page, it's you and your page. It's so fun. That and 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 you know, it's a disease. Cause cause there's days you're like, why are we so obsessed with this? It's it, and it's seeing seemingly becoming more archaic, uh, what we do. And I and that makes me love it even more. So but yes. The freedom on the page is again. I I, I open this saying that that my podcast is uh, therapeutic, but art is therapeutic for me. I'm sure it is for you too. Once you're grooving on those pages and those lines are going where you want them to go, oh, it's like meditation. Yes. 
Yes. That's Rob, it. Was, was there an intention uh, beyond a pinup for this image right here? So this was the cover. Uh, no, this was the, I was commissioned to do this for the previews catalog. Um, so this was the previews catalog for Diamond to announce Youngblood 6. And then I just reused it and threw it in that um, with the staples right in Shaft's face. You know, way to go. <laughs> we, we planned that really. We planned that well. <laughs> so little Little Matsuda cameo. Oh, just killing it. These guys... What a fun time. We did not enjoy it the way we were supposed to. And that is the one, it was, it was right around this time that things started ramping up. I, I would put it somewhere between, around Gen 13. Uh, Campbell upended things more than Platt did. Um, Platt was a kind of a signature heat-seeking missile that, that struck and excited people. But when Campbell arrived in that, kind of fresh mix of sex and teas. And uh, I mean, Campbell was so influential, Jim Lee started drawing like him. I mean, we know that, okay? So the, the thing is, and then it was, the conversations every day were, because when I mentioned Campbell, it's because Gen 13 was seen as suddenly a hot book. It, was, it had excess value to it, extra value. And then everyone's like, how do we make every book we do hot? And I don't think, I think that's, we're still in that. That's a now, you know, that's probably 28 years ago that Gen 13 hit. And, uh, and, and, and Campbell was at the forefront of that. And again, the teen heroes weren't really something we were doing. But the reason I'm bringing you into this is that like slowly after this period, we're hypercritical to the point that we're never enjoying what we're doing anymore. And I've discussed this with all the guys. We're so concerned about what's going next. We didn't appreciate how much fun we were having and the freedom that we had. And because we just, it, it's, it's what Hollywood does with box office. Oh, oh, you didn't, you didn't get the number you're supposed to. You didn't, you, you didn't launch, you know, forecasts were low. And then that gets, you know, that, oh man, did I even make a good movie? Cause I didn't make the extra five bucks. They, they said I was supposed to make this weekend. And suddenly it's not about art. It's about commerce. So forgive me for swooning briefly. Um, and you're like, but Lightfield, you keep mentioning your sales all through this. Well, that, that, that's because that was like, I'm still in shock. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. My, my game plan again was 10% of what I was selling at Marvel at, on, on, on the best day, not the, 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 the movement that this became. So go ahead. This, there's, there's the layouts right there. This section here was everything to me as a kid. I, I never really saw layouts, you know, yeah. I saw how to draw comics the Marvel way. And then probably this. And yeah. and it was like alchemy to me. The idea of like drawing it on a post-it and then blowing it up, it like yeah. I couldn't wrap my head around that idea. Uh, did you learn that from somebody already in the biz? Like that's no, no, no. I'll, I'll be honest. I am more comfortable. I, look, I'm going to be honest. The guys who can start at the top of an 11 by 17 page and fill it to the bottom, I have to control. The smaller it is, the more control I had over it, and I could see it better. And obviously going from top to bottom is not as, as intimidating when it's, you know, an eight and a half by 11 page folded in half. I'm trying to, I think I have one of those down here. I think I have like something that, that fits that. I mean, so these are not that era, but I mean, like when I was doing, this is stuff from 2012. This is, this is, so this is an eight and a half by 11 page folded. That is and so these cool. Are, uh, these are, that, that this is a, these are death stroke pages. 
uh, from Deathstroke. So I mean, this is something I'm 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 still doing. That's uh, and on the back here is 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 Lobo. This is the last page of my first issue of Deathstroke. But I mean, those I have some of those because I would even ink those. The difference between this is I leave now. I leave these alone in pencil. But the stuff that I'm you know, some of these on that previous page with Nightsaber, like I'm I'm going over that with a with a marker. Oh yeah, here, here, dude, 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 no way. This was not planned. Check that page ah, out. Ah, that's sick. Whoa. Check that that's page sick. out. There, that's it. That is that in there? Is oh, it is. The I think it is, man. Where is it? Or is it is it on the page before? Nope. Oh no. So, but but if we go into the book, so again, you can see how tiny this is. Yeah, that's so sick as hell. This is the this is troll. That page real quick. Um, it's a it's it's it's. Where is this? Yeah, there Boom. it is. Boom. So this is this is, holy shit! This is that page. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I mean I inked that thing. So then, when I blow it up, I mean look at the confidence I have. I'm basically gonna now. I get to it. I I did a lot of the work here. I figured it out. So it's really about control. And then there's, you know, there's the option that I worked out first. I worked this out first, then figured this out. And here we go. And like I said, I have these for all my New Mutants issues. The, the, the luck of the draw is I still have them from New Mutants 98. So I have all the original, these from that era. But yeah, no, the, the, the thing is, no one showed me. It was just my insecurity working smaller and, and realizing that I had the luxury of, of, a, of a Xerox machine that could blow it up. So like I said, my mad respect to the guys who can just go, oh, blank page, bottom to left. I'm like, well, how do you like that's intimidating to me? You know, that that's and, and, and a guy like Jack Kirby, he wasn't pussyfooting with this shit. <laughs> when you know? when you were blowing them up, like did you know your way around those uh, little reproduction wheels so that you knew yes, the exact percentage to, to blow the thing that, up? That, uh, guys like Marat and Richard can tell you I was I had become the ace. You know, I'd be like, ah, this feels like a 62%. <laughs> <laughs> First time. Got it. You know, I love seeing this the multiple options. Like yeah. Yeah. So so I mean, that is. Uh, the, again, like, you know, I didn't have the boldness of, of, of many of my peers or some of the greats but you, you find a method that works for you and you run with it because at the end of the day it's it's just getting it right and now you're about to open on we still have these originals too uh <laughs> my wife has them framed um that 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 weirdo version of me let's get romantic man yeah this is this this yeah. blew my mind as a kid reading this you know like i yeah. was buying all the young blood so whenever you came back from your break i was super excited for a new issue and then read this and was like what well, how, so, you can do this. Um, I'll just go right into the fact that, like, this is the age of, uh, especially in in the world, but but in my Southern California existence, it'd be like, did you hear about you know, Billy and Kathy? Billy proposed to her when he they jumped out of a plane, and I'm like, <laughs> I ain't. I ain't jumping out of no plane. Oh, shit. And you guys got Disneyland right there. So there's probably a lot of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride uh, proposals and whatnot. Or, But but, I mean, it it was going elaborate. No, Ed, it's even more like, oh, so-and-so, they went on a, you know, on a trip to the Bahamas. And and he went, you know, at the bottom of the ocean. He opened up a shell and gave her a ring. And I'm like, oh, crap. Um, (laughs) Like, I knew I wanted to marry my wife. But I'm like, well, what, what do I have that's special? So... And just so you know, uh, the guts to this were FedEx to me. 
So I had this in my hands just shy of three weeks before it came into yours. Mm. Because if she turned me down, I was going to pulp them all. Oh, that's um, so dope. They, they were all going to be destroyed. Um, that's so I'm, dope. Not gonna, I'm not going to, uh, you know, put my put my embarrassment out there for the entire world. So once I got the guts sent to me uh, from the printer, and for your audience, the guts, no cover, just just not even a staple, just, just the pages. Here it is. I got my, you know, basic printed copy, unfinished assembly of the book. And, uh, I had joy come and we were, we were, she was helping me brought by a piece of property kind of advice on it. Cause we were boyfriend and girlfriend and had been so for a really long time. And she knew how much I was crazy about her. And I definitely wanted to take the next step, but you know, I wasn't going to go to the bottom of the ocean and I wasn't going to jump out of a plane. So I said, Hey, I figured I'd make, I, I set a table out by the pool. Um, and, and said, Hey, let's, let's, let's have some dinner. And then I said, Hey, check this out. Remember, like I'm coming back to young blood and, and how much I've been working on this and every weekend. And, you know, when we're together and cause she was living up in LA at the time. And, uh, and I said, Hey, I got it in the mail. You, you, you're, you gotta see this. So, I said, I'm so happy with how it came out. And so literally, and I got my buddy in the bushes with the flowers and everything, if this goes off without a hitch. So anyway, she flips through this and I go, you gotta read this part. This is the best part of the book. And she's like, what? And then she's like, yes, yes, Rob, yes. This is, oh my gosh, yes. And you know what? She dug it. It was like, so So in case anyone ever doubts, like, oh, he, she knew about it. She knew nothing about it, it would cheapen the experience for her. And it was being authentic, it was really important. But that's how I pulled it off like, oh my gosh, because you know, she knows how th that narcissism we all have for our artwork and how things look. So I'm like, I got it, you gotta look at it, check it out, boom, 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 will you marry me? And then she's like, yes. My buddy comes out of the bushes, roses, uh, you know, I've got the ring, uh, the formal proposal, I get on my knee, and then we immediately go to her folks place where all the family is standing by in case she said yes. So, so the, so the so family I knew. Ever, I don't think I've ever like really ever shared this entire story with you guys. So I'm, I'm glad I was able to uh, with anybody. So, um, the, so the family knew the extended family knew that this was going to go. Oh, down. I, had, I was old fashioned. I asked her folks who I had known by that time. I had known her. I want to say seven years. Um, and so I asked her parents for sure. Like, like, Hey, I want my intention. They were, I was really good friends with her parents. And, you know, of course, then her mother that night said, we're not going to have the same relationship anymore now that you're marrying my daughter. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not my, you're not the mark lady. Um, <laughs> it's your daughter. She's the target. She is the intended. So yeah, no. And uh, Joy, so Joy had this framed and the original is in our wedding book where she it's in plastic, like, like Mylar. And then the, the actual, this color, this page, she has a one sheet of, uh, that, you know, is, is in the bedroom. So yeah, it worked out. It's a nice issue. It, it, it ended on a high note, but yes, I would have pulped the entire thing and missed it by a week. Genius. I would have, I, I would, I would have done the same. <laughs> yeah. No so. doubt. And because it is cartoonist kayfabe, man, and, and we don't, we don't, um, handle the romance for too, too long. I actually like this drawing style a lot with a with a uh, marker and with yeah. some speed. 
Yeah. You know, that's pretty uh, sick. It, it, that, that's all a brush marker. That's all uh, like one of those Japanese brushes. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very fast. Uh, that That's when I could just have fun with it. But here's what I want to ask you guys. What did you see when you say that you saw the development? What, what was happening to Rob Liefeld's work that you liked, given that you can you notice something was evolving? I, I want to hear it from you. You know, when you say the anchor, like like I think it's that, like that's the difference. Now I didn't say that I like this better or or worse or anything. I I, I noticed the difference, and uh, the the difference is. Rob Liefeld was the anchor of that that original stuff. What were some yeah. of the things where you you were using the ink, uh, with on the old stuff because I swear like there's there's like thick dab like like the ink is getting absorbed by the paper like there's some sort of marker or sharpie or something like that always dip no, pens I, I, um so hunt 102 um and for a brief time I did the hunt 107 I mean the crow quill pins uh during this period were everything um to me so no I, I uh <laughs> yeah, there you go, buddy. So, so I'll reach right in there. Hey, one. hey check that out. Movie magic. So, so it, yeah, that was good. The um, the thing is, no, I was I was a Hunt Crowquill guy, and and uh, no, I, I I I thought markers were the devil's tool until Stephen Platt showed me what he could do with them, and he literally, uh, I never picked up, I haven't inked with a quill since 1995 um but this is not 1995 93 94 from like the marvel stuff from like 19 you know 89 even like the back cover to wolverine that i did or whatever i hunt crowquill markers just didn't give me they couldn't I, I did not know how you could manipulate them and and i guess the marker technology helped too but yeah showing um seeing what steven Platt would do with his markers. Uh, I was like, you can get those kind of lines, that kind of flexibility, that you can punish them, like to that extent. And you know, he had never used a crow quill or a brush. He was all markers. So, and and you know that the, the the thing about the hunt, you know, the dip pins is you got to watch out for that bottle of ink, that smudge, that drop. And I do enjoy that that is removed with the markers. But I also know that I, I 100% have lost something by leaving these behind the markers they give you speed but they're limiting so I'm, I'm i'm telling you what you already know but i'm just so glad i have this <laughs> that's so cool man <laughs> so rad that's such a cool i'm like I, it jarred my memory i'm like and that again i've just been collecting all of my thumbnails lately which i guess i would technically that's a thumbnail layout but but i guess more than that somewhere i don't know rob let these people know where uh where they could find you man it will be done with this episode yeah, so I'm all over social media. You can hit me up on Instagram. I'm Rob Liefeld. On Twitter, I'm Robert Liefeld because that guy squatted me before I could get to me. And uh, But they have blue checks. I tell that. I say this all the time because it's really me because it's scary, all the scams that people put forth. Uh, I, I have the podcast that uh, is on, I think, Tuesdays and Fridays, Rob's Observations with Rob Liefeld. And then uh, got a profit remaster, a brigade remaster, uh, Deadpool Bad Blood is coming out in singles, although they've been staggered now, like I said uh, earlier in the show. From Marvel, um, I've got some more surprises. I think a Brigade remaster is coming out that I'm really excited about. Um, just It's a great time to revisit this stuff. And, and again, you know, just uh, give everything a fresh coat of paint because it's, it's, it's super fun. And working with guys like you, because both of you guys did uh, pages in, in the Profit remaster, 
and as well as a bunch of other talented guys. It's just, it's, it's really fun. And, and it, 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 it's fun looking back and feeling old and reminding myself that I was young. I was young once. Mm -hmm. So that that's enough for me for now. Thanks so much for stopping by Jimmy. Given the marching orders will be on our way. Read more comics.